if you're talking about reducing emissions by doing certain things, you're also obviously reducing cost. So there was a double benefit. They could say to their stakeholders, we're reducing costs, which increases our profit, and we're reducing emissions, which helps the environment. And then sort of the last stage of their discussion was maybe we can, as a big player, show an example to other companies as how this can be done. And it's difficult at some points. And there's sometimes places where you get frustrated, but that doesn't mean that you give up. It means that you perhaps take a different path, try a different strategy, and just be transparent about your successes and your failures. ESG has exploded into compliance and business consciousness in 2021. Join Tom Fox, the voice of compliance, on the ESG Report and learn about sustainability risks, opportunities, and issues that business leaders and compliance professionals need to know about regarding ESG. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, and welcome to a special on-site recording with Aaron Nicodemus of Compliance Week. Aaron, first of all, welcome back. Thanks for having me, as always. Great to have you for a in-person recording, finally. Yeah. So we're here at Compliance Week 2022, but that's not the reason I'm talking to Aaron, because he wrote yet another great series for Compliance Week, a three-part series on FedEx's journey on ESG. And it really had a lot of great information, obviously took a deep dive into the program, but I thought had some great lessons for the broader compliance community. So Aaron, maybe I could start with what led to this series of stories? Yeah, so Justin Ross, who's the CCO at FedEx, was our CCO of the year last year at Compliance Week 2021, which was virtual. So this year we're in person and Justin is here. After he won the award and after I spoke with him for it, we continued talking about things that were happening at FedEx. And one of the things that came up was their environmental plan. And I wrote about that. In doing that, researching that story, I realized that the extent of their ESG initiatives went much farther than I had realized, and I started looking into it. We kept talking, and there it happened. There's a lot, a lot of information in these stories and lots of pieces that probably should have been self-evident, but I'd never realized. So I'll start with 570,000 employees at that company in 220 countries across the globe. So when I think of FedEx, obviously, I think of delivery. And it makes a lot of sense that the E in ESG would be forefront of their mind. But from a business reason, from a cost savings perspective, how did FedEx really look at the fuel costs, the use of fuel, vehicle maintenance, all of those things that we would think of every delivery company needs to think about? How did they reframe that into an ESG thought? Yeah, so... That's exactly how it started, the conversation. It was, how can we reduce our fuel costs? How can we reduce our maintenance costs? And that turned into a conversation with, well, at the same time, maybe we can reduce our emissions. And it was seen at that point, 2008 or so, that the two things could actually be accomplished on the same track. And so that began the real effort to reduce their emissions and be thoughtful about it as opposed to just having it be an afterthought or even just basically part of their fuel reduction strategy. Their emission reduction strategy actually took the forefront. And their plans all along sort of took ups and downs. I mean, 
their biggest problem with their emissions is that because they're growing so fast, they're making more deliveries, they're making more flights through the air, and they, they're having trouble keeping their emissions down because they're expanding so fast and growing so fast. I guess that was one of the themes that I got from this series of articles is it's not a straight line. It's going to have ups and downs, but that's okay. And for part of the reasons you talked about, obviously during the pandemic, people like me were buying more online and having it delivered. So counterintuitively, the pandemic increased their business. Uh And they had, I thought, made a, a pretty bold statement with their 2014 Global Citizenship Report and their published goals that they wanted to put in place. So how did you see that ebb and flow? And, and I guess more importantly, what was the effect on FedEx of that ebb and flow? Did they see that as just a business cycle, that's something they had to manage? They obviously didn't stop. They didn't say, oh, we made a mistake. We can't do this. How did that ebb and flow kind of work into their day-to-day moving forward with this project? One of the biggest touch points for FedEx with its ESG initiative is transparency. And so they want their investors and their customers and their employees to understand that this is our goal. This is what we're trying to accomplish. And yes, like you say, it's not a straight line to get there. So when they have setbacks, when they have delays, when they have, for example, they've ordered over 20,000 electric vehicles. And so far from that order, they've received five of them. And so you have to basically roll with the punches. They had another goal in their environmental initiative, which was to increase the amount of alternative jet fuel, alternative source jet fuel. And they just were having a supply problem. They couldn't find someone who could do what they wanted. And report after report, they kept saying, well, we're just going to have to push this into the next year, push it. And that happened from 2015 all the way to 2021. So for them, the point is, yes, we want to get to a certain place. We may not get there, but we'll tell you exactly how close we got, and we'll tell you why we did or did not achieve the goal. I thought a lot of that was encapsulated in your second article, or in the title, which is a marathon, not a sprint, and that the different types of fuels for airlines and their plane fleet, I had not fully appreciated how significant that was. I just thought of the the trucks, and the plane fleet was even more important. Can you talk a little bit about that? So their emissions from flights are something like 85% of their total scope one emissions, which are the direct emissions, the way the SEC is defining the, and other frameworks are defining the emissions. Scope one is what's coming out of your tailpipes, what's coming out of your factory, that kind of thing. So their point in looking at at fuel, because it it was their biggest emitter, the way that they went around the idea of, well, we can't find alternative fuel. Let's make our jets more efficient. Let's not let them idle on the runways. Let's talk to the pilots about potentially on descent. There's a lot of time where you don't actually need the engines moving. You can float or maybe just glide is a better way to put it. But there's a way to reduce emissions without going through some of the more intense planning, purchasing, that kind of thing. And so they took up all those initiatives and they said, okay, we're going to do those on the same track while we're also trying to upgrade our fleet to get more efficient planes in the air. At the same time, we're going to try and be more efficient. And so they would do those two things 
together and hope. And then again, at the end of the reporting period, they would tell everyone how close they came, what they did, and whether they hit the goal that they set. You said something really significant in there I'd like to pick up on, and that was use the word pilot engagement. But I'd like to maybe use that as a way to ask you, how did FedEx really use that term engagement to speak to shareholders, to speak to customers, to speak to third-party suppliers, to a wide variety of stakeholders to develop a plan? And then with the plane fleet, have to modify that plan based upon facts on the ground. And was it a continuous conversation? The conversation and the reasons why they were pursuing certain initiatives did change over time. Like I said before, initially was about reduction of costs. But as ESG and as sort of what they considered socially responsible initiatives, which is what they called them really before ESG, initiatives were coming forward and they were understanding that these were becoming a priority of their customers, of their investors, and of their employees. They began to incorporate those goals, or I should say those motivations, into their strategy. If you're talking about reducing emissions by doing certain things, you're also obviously reducing cost. So there was a double benefit. They could say to their stakeholders, we're reducing costs, which increases our profit, and we're reducing emissions, which helps the environment. And then sort of the last stage of their discussion was maybe we can, as a big player, show an example to other companies as how this can be done. And it's difficult at some points. And there's sometimes places where you get frustrated, but that doesn't mean that you give up. It means that you perhaps take a different path, try a different strategy, and just be transparent about your successes and your failures. You talked about transparency. And one of the quotes you had in your article really struck me, and I'll I'll read it. It comes from Mitch Jackson, staff vice president of Environmental Affairs and Chief Sustainability Officer, which was, quote, FedEx didn't want to fall in in the trap of simply reporting without knowing why we were reporting and what we were trying to achieve, end quote. And I wanted to ask you, it really struck me, we don't talk about the why enough, and maybe employees don't understand. There may be great tone at the top, but if employees don't understand the why or other stakeholders, they have difficulty. What did you see around that issue? Yeah, so the why really drives or really should drive these initiatives because you're trying things that on the surface may not make perfect sense for your bottom line. There are things that they're going to try that are going to be potentially expensive and may not work as well as they think it's going to. And so you have to keep the reason why you're pursuing these initiatives at the forefront. And that is usually about messaging now. To the public and to investors, FedEx was doing it once a year, basically, with their global corporate responsibility reports and then later their ESG reports. But I think internally, they were making this message clear on a regular basis. The reason that we are pursuing this is we have this plan. Remember, here's what our plan is. FedEx has an incredibly strong corporate culture, and it's probably one of the most notable things about FedEx, at least from my reporting of it, is that People who work for FedEx have a shared purpose. They feel like they're part of a team that is all moving in the same direction. Of course, there are always going to be outliers, but culture of FedEx allows them 
to pursue some of these initiatives because they're saying to people, their employees, this is the conversation that we're having all the time. And we're constantly reinforcing that same message. This is why we're doing it. This is what we're doing. And this is how we're going to get there. Well, Aaron, unfortunately, we're near the end of our time for this episode, but I hope you'll be able to revisit this issue with FedEx and perhaps have another article or series of articles to date us. I thought there was a lot in here about FedEx, but equally importantly for the ESG or compliance practitioner going forward. So thank you. It's been my pleasure. And I can tell you that there will be more coming. Great. 